This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Turkaholics and welcome back to Football a la Turka. We're covering the Super League Week 22 and the Turkish Cup quarterfinal results. My name is Kam Bayezid and today joining me at our virtual table on one side of the table is Burak Sezgin, the man of the law and Galatasaray connoisseur Uzer Dinger. And on the other side of our virtual table is former Gustepe Wonderkid Umut Nadere and Berat Albarek's favorite podcaster, Jakub Marufaolo. Jakub, a great week for you. Uh, Trabzonspor flying high right now, both in the league and also in the cup. They qualified, of course, for the semifinals. They had no trouble with Buyukshebli, the Erzurum Spor, in the quarterfinals. They're going through. They'll be facing Fenerbahce, as they had no issues with Kirkarelli Spor. So, semifinal, Trabzonspor, Fenerbahce, a big, uh, big fixture there in the Turkish Cup. But also in the league, Trabzonspor flying high. How are you and Berat Albarak feeling right now? I'm doing well. I'm, do- I'm doing really well. It's uh, been a fun week. Uh, a little bit uh, tense, you know, because Trabzonspor is a team that generally loses games that they are that they just have to win. But it seems to be uh, changing uh, this year. And uh, I want to thank our um, our Minister of uh, Finance and Treasury for it. Uh, as as Burak will probably repeat in his head, also, um, yeah, we're doing we're doing well. I'm happy. Yeah, all kidding aside, though, um, do you do you see a difference already between Unal Karaman as the coach and and Hussein Chimshir right now? Because in the first half of the season, I I had the feeling that. Trabzonspor were a little bit more combustible, a little bit more inconsistent. Of course, we're not that far into the second half of the season, but Trabzonspor are looking very solid so far. Are you seeing differences between the coaching styles, the the way the team is playing? Yeah, are you noticing any differences? I mean, not really. Um, you know, I love uh, to play a passing game. And at the moment, um, Hussein is also doing that. Hussein Jimfish is also doing that. But I think for now, the biggest difference between the both of them is um, is that Hussein Jimfish does make you know pretty good substitutions, which um, was one of my biggest uh, points when discussing <clears throat> in Al Karaman that he didn't make uh, substitutions when it when it was needed. He always waited too long. I don't know if this is because um, you know he. he He's now the head coach, and he can. Uh, is now the head coach, and he can do whatever he wants. Or maybe if it's um, because we got Eddie Newton from uh, from Chelsea, and he got a lot of more, um, you know, uh, experience with stuff like this um, as an assistant trainer, assistant manager. Maybe that's the difference. I don't know to be uh, to be honest, but I I like the I like the game that Thomas Sports playing. 
Um, and um, yeah, not that different, to be honest. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Trabzonspor because they are, of course, now, despite being a match down, they still have that match against uh, Yeni Malatya Spor in hand, which they still have to play. Uh, they are currently sitting nicely at the top of the Super League table after beating Sivaspor this weekend 2 to 1, of course. Sivaspor continuing their uh, slide down the slippery slope and they haven't won since they beat Besiktas on the opening match day of 2020 uh, at Vodafone Park. Uh, things aren't looking too good for them. Uh, Mustafa Yatabare, the, the player for them to get on the score sheet again and at a time, Trabzonspor win this one goal by Alexander Serlov and uh, an own goal from Janeros uh, Pasha. Right. So Alexander Serlov, the man that really wasn't supposed to play this match, got a two-match suspension that got appealed, was brought down to one. Um, I don't know about uh, the, the feelings on that. Uh, Jakub, of course, I think you'll be happy with that. But do you think it's correct, uh, the one-match suspension rather than two for his action uh, last week in the, in the league match? I mean, I'm... Um, I, I was fine with with two matches to be honest, mm -hmm. and um, I actually didn't even think that uh, the TFF would, you know, decrease it to one match after uh, after an appeal by Trabzonspor. Um, I know that a lot of people online on Reddit, on Twitter, um, on Instagram, people talk a lot about how different people like uh, like what Jailson did and uh, what I think Quaresma did. They got a lot worse suspensions. Mm -hmm. I don't think that um, you know you can compare stuff like that because uh, everything has uh, ha has the background, you know. Um, the context uh, what, is context is king. Uh. Yeah, the context is king. You know, um, as I said when, when when we were discussing the game where he got the red card, I I thought it was I thought it was a red card, but I didn't think it was you know that bad of a red card because. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he didn't just straight up punch him. He wasn't trying to injure him or severely hurt him. Uh, yeah, Uzer, what did you think of the two-match ban not being upheld, being dropped down to one? Did you think that's okay for what Serlot did? Uh, I, I don't. I, the last time I remember a match ban being reduced was, I think it was Gurkhan Zand who had a yellow card. And he was going to miss a suspend. He was going to be suspended for a game. This was like what 2012, maybe. And I remember thinking when he eventually got it reduced, I was like, "Well, I don't understand why he's done that. I uh, don't understand how we've got away with that. And he's going to get to play the next game." But I was thrilled for it. So I think in my mind, um, you 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 win some of those and you take some of those. So I'm, I guess whether or not I agree with it it's uh it's it's just desserts for the one from 10 years ago so i'll, I'll allow chops on that one <laughs> burak uh, do you agree with the comparisons that are being made to jalson and quaresma um i don't think you can compare them um jalson was at the end of the gala match and a pure slap um to belhanda who he didn't get any punishment which you know is is baffling mm -hmm. um the quaresma one was a lot more violent than the the other self pushed to the face. Um, although they are both to the face, you can, if you show both situations to someone, they can easily say that. Well, yeah, if you isolate them, you can make it look. Similar, yeah, you can but... see that. Yeah, you can see that Serlo was being, you know, kicked. Well, I think I said he was he was being kicked like you know Donald mm. Cerrone 
dishes out leg kicks in the UFC or um, Justin Gagey uh, dishes out those leg leg kicks to the calf and he was lucky he had shin pads um, and I know like he's you know they showed his leg afterwards and it looked like it had taken quite a battering so you can understand the, the reaction pushing um, I, I, I think it was wrong that it was reduced um, but it, it was and he turned out to be the catalyst for both goals scoring first and then putting a ball in a box for for the second one um, I think Trabzon probably would have won that game without Serloff anyway because they played really good football and, and pretty much have figured Sivas out you know, Sivas are the, the counter-attacking team and um, if you don't just you know sit back <clears throat> if you, you know I think teams have figured Sivas out which is why they're not doing as well now and they've got a lot of injuries um, but going back to the whole the Serloff thing it's it was like like when you got in trouble at school or you've got a detention and you you know you're generally a good kid um, but you know you get into trouble every so often and like you go to the principal's office with you or your mum and dad um, to try and get your detention you know <laughs> taken away or you know not revoked from a Saturday detention to something that's that's exactly what happened with with Serloff um, he went down there to the, the TFF building with the, the Throbs and representatives. They said, look, he's such a nice boy. Look at him. He's he's six foot four. He's blonde. He's Scandinavian. He he, he, he goes fishing. He's got a nice life. This is uh, completely, you know, out of character for him because he was he was kicked um, hard. And then you had all the, um, the, the apologies that came out. I think that, that helped build the case. Mm. Um, you, and- you definitely convinced me. So far. Plus, he's royalty, See? of course. He's the king of the Nords. How can you suspend a king? Um, I don't know, but he, he's he, he's eventually going to kill someone, um, like Jon Snow did to Daenerys. And spoiler, if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't, then spoilers. Where have, where, <laughs> where have you where have you been? Um, so yeah, I, I don't uh, don't agree with it being reduced. I think three or four matches probably would have been a little bit too much. Yeah, for sure. Um, personally. But I think Thrubs are, are on such a, a roll that they probably would have won without um, without Serloff. Yeah. And how do you explain the slippery slope at Sivaspor going down the woods? What's going on there? They they haven't won since they beat Besiktas in the league. Um, yeah, they they are struggling. Did Emre Kilinc play against Trabzonspor at all? Because I don't think I saw no, him at, no. at all. And, and he's been struggling a little bit, like Burak said, some injuries. He's been struggling with some injuries. And, uh, yeah, I think once you take that out of the equation, because he was, a, like, to steal a world from Burak here, a catalyst for that Sivaspor side in the first half of the season, maybe they're they're missing him a little bit, plus just generally some quality. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, uh Emre hasn't played against Trabzonspor. Uh, instead, uh, uh, Rizawaja played Zia up front and put Urchivci on the left back. And it's like uh, two left backs uh, in front of each other. It's like a, a not a regular uh, Sivaspor tactic we see every day. But I, there's a funny thing that uh, I think Rizahoja revealed his secrets in the uh, program that he joined with Ur Karakulukcu down there, and all his secrets were revealed on the television, uh, YouTube, and now he's going up the hill. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. it was on. Yeah, the, what, what's that was show also, called? Is that Vole or is that? No, no, it's called uh, uh, Dizilish Arturu. 
yeah, it's a weird name. Uh, it's from a, I think from a uh, TV show called Dirilish Arturul, which is a uh, Ottoman emperor. Arturul Gazi. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so uh, we have seen Rıza Hoca somehow reluctant to reveal his secrets during his interview with uh, Ur Karakulucu down there. But uh, what what happened had happened. So uh, right now he has to find uh, different uh, solutions to his problems, and also this uh, uh, this is a different situation there because in the first part of the season uh, they were playing as a Anatolian team and the other. Uh, teams uh, saw them as the regular Anatolian team as well, but right mm-hmm. now they are like a big team in the league, and uh, other teams are precocious against them. So, uh, yeah. yeah, they have to open up the gap uh, uh, against those defensive-minded uh, Anatolian teams. Uh, and uh, as for the uh, big matches. Uh, the other team is well pre- prepared this time uh, compared to the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think we all kind of, you know, in the, the first half of the season, we were all kind of looking at Alanya Sporkers. They were up at the top for quite a while, I think 10, 11, 12 match days. And Sivaspor went under the radar, didn't really get noticed, as Umut rightfully pointed out. And it wasn't really until those final, I, I want to say, five match days in the first half of the season when where Alanya started to falter and sur- sur- uh, suddenly Sivaspor took over and were suddenly at the top of the table there, out of the blue almost, because I think we collectively weren't paying much attention to them. And... Yeah, maybe Umut has a good point there, where where now the other Anatolian teams are starting to look at them differently, treat them differently, play against them differently. But inevitably, I think we all kind of expected Sivaspor to crumble in the second half of the season. We we didn't really think they would be able to hold uh, hold their form as 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 they did in the first half of the season. Um, but I don't know if we expected it to happen. This quickly, though, we're just five match days in, or uh, I guess four matches in, um, and and I don't know, are they out of the title picture already? With uh, yeah, this 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 last loss now against probably their biggest rival. I mean, I I watched. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I watched Riza. Uh, I I watched the Riza at Trabzonspor. Um, the, the the view of him uh, I got uh, is that he, he's pretty much like a half season wonder. He, he he performs really well for a half a season, but then for some reason, I don't know if it's his training that the players are getting uh, tired of it. Uh, the second half of the season, uh, when he was at Trabzonspor, we did just horrible. And um, yeah, I don't want to say that that's the reason. I think as I as as I always said that uh, the power of Sivasport is more in. Uh, in having players players like Mert Hakan and um, Emre Kalinch performing on a he- really high level and uh, having players like Yatabara and Kone, players that are pretty, pretty up there in age, um, performing pretty well in their heyday, you know. Um, Yatabara wasn't wasn't really good at, against us. Uh, Kone has been uh, injured for a couple of weeks. Um, Emre Kalinch is, is a catalyst, as, as we are all bor- borrowing uh, Burak's words. And they, they, they pretty much missed those attacking runs, you know. Um, Trabzonspor did 
pushed them a lot in the first half. I I thought that uh, the second half Silas was more dangerous. But yeah, you know the 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 road to a championship is a long one. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I just think that um, the players don't really have that one player that can can you know take them take them by the hand and push them to to win those games that they are supposed to do. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this Emrik about Emrik Lynch because throughout the first half of the season he was the man dissecting the opposition's defense, whether it be with off the ball runs or with pinpoint passes. He has been alongside Mertakan Yandash the catalyst of the Sivaspor. And if we look at Fenerbahce right now and we look at what they've the type of football they've been playing all season with both Ozan and Tolga playing on the wings way too frequently. Um, Emre Kilinch is someone that can play either behind the striker, he can play on the left wing, you you could even put him on the right wing. I think Fenerbahce are going to have to make a good offer for a guy like Emre Kilinch, who was a free agent this summer. And Mert Hakanyandash too. I think Fener should be among the top bidders for him. I don't know if you agree with that, Burak. I mean, I'd definitely be in the market for someone like em- Emre Kulinch just because of the fact that he can, like you say, play in a multitude of, of positions um, behind the striker, to the left of the striker. Um, you can even put him on the right wing if we if we want to um, because no doubt the moment we get a left-sided player, we're going to play them on the right side of the pitch. Um, <laughs> for, for some undoubtedly. <laughs> Undoubt- undoubtedly so. Um, so... Like you say, he's going to come on a... He's going to be free. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be up for grabs. I'm sure there'll be some European teams who have been scouting the Turkish league as well, trying to pick up a bargain. And if a European team were to come in for him, say someone like a you know, a Wolfsburg or a, a team such as even like a Lille, someone somewhere where some other Turkish players Sassuolo. are playing. Exactly. I, I would say to him, go abroad. Um, get your experience there. I'd I'd love us to sign him because he's he, he's young and he's quick and he can go past players and he can he's he's a dynamo, takmin dynamo so all of it So, but like I, I think there's going to be a lot of people um going around him. So, but I I, I don't know what this injury that he has is. Um, you know, he says it's on for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, you see, it says it's an unknown injury on on transfer marked. Um, there might be someone with some some better news, like a, a Siba spot. Maybe insider. he has signed with uh, somebody already and is, is is unwilling to cost them the the title or something. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, Illuminati. It it wouldn't surprise Fair me. Does it again? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's been out since the the second of February, and um like he, he he's already missed like three games earlier this season as well with a, a thigh muscle rupture apparently so that was the start of the season so I think but yeah a correlation between between Sivaspor's decline in form and and yeah. Emre Kalunch's kind of decline in productivity he hasn't scored or or made an assist since before christmas i think he only played against Besiktas and he wasn't even supposed to play that match I, he was supposedly injured, but they somehow rushed him to be ready, and I, I maybe that's what's the well, problem. Uh, yeah, maybe. But he played against Gustafa too, which, which is I think they won that game one nil. Um, but the, the game where they lost, where they got thumped five one by Gaziantep. Yeah. Uh, I think he played ninety minutes in that game as well. But yeah, he's something's gone on with Silas. I think they just have peaked too early. 
Do you think that uh, because Sivaspor are very unlikely now to win the title, they are probably not going to go into champ- into the Champions League qualifiers? Yeah. Guys I think like, the only way is down. Yeah, and, and, and Emre Kilinch and Meta Kanyandash, maybe they were still holding out. If, if Sivas pulled off a miracle, they would extend with like a year or two maybe but now you you've got to figure that the vultures will yeah. be picking at their bones in the summer and i know that i think all of us would love to see both emre and and uh, mert hakan at our respective clubs but if we take a step back and just look at it uh from a, a, as objectively as possible if they would end up with a team in turkey where would you think they would f- have the best chances of playing consistently and uh, being a key player. Uh, Uzer, you, I know you're a big fan. What do you think? Do you see them? Um, ooh, that's a tough question because often when these, these talented Turkish players who, who done well at Anatolian clubs end up in Istanbul, they, mm-hmm. it's very rare that they actually make a big name for themselves and, and settle easily into the Usually that is because they make the wrong decision, I feel, because I rather the, than... The de- no, I think the decision to move to one of the clubs is a bad decision in its own right. I agree with Bright, but these guys, if the option is there to go abroad, then go abroad. But, like, for example, take Mehmet Topuz as an example. He ended up signing yeah. for Fenerbahce and he was, at, at the time, playing in, in the same position as Alex. You don't mm. sign... Yeah, well... Well, somewhere where yeah, you know I, you're not going to play in your I main, see, main I see role. what you mean. There's a lot of additional um, competition in that role. I mean, Galatasaray's midfield is basically made up of low knees right mm-hmm, now. So mm-hmm. maybe um, Galatasaray would be a good good option. And and actually, if you want to look at a success story, to counter what I just said, Emre Akbabai is one because he was superb at Alanya Sport. And, you know, either side of his horrible injuries, he's been excellent yeah. at Galatasaray since he's come back. So, you know, and Emre... Double Emre in midfield is something I wouldn't say no to. Umut, what do you think? Where do you see Emre Kilinch fitting in in the future? If well, he doesn't stay at Sivas. Yeah, I think uh, it's still uh, early for him to uh, go to Uchbuk, Lerbat. Uh, it would uh, fit rightly into, I think, uh, for Trabzonspor, who gives decent chances to young players. I know he's not young, but uh, he's 25. No, but uh, they have Guillerme, they have Sosa, they have Nwakaeme, they have uh, uh, Abdul Kadir uh, coming uh, back, Yusuf. Guillerme is, is a loan, so yeah. Uh, yeah, still haven't found both yet, but uh, we'll see at the end of the season how they uh, deal with these players. But I think uh, uh, if uh, Feguli or... Uh, 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 in Galatasaray's, uh, some uh, foreign players go. He might get a chance in Galatasaray, but uh, as for the recent uh, news uh, about the Mustafa Kapu and how you uh, how we argued about the the chances the Turkish players get uh, in the team, mm. lack of chances. Yeah, but uh, it's mainly the main academy players that aren't really getting the chances. There's plenty of Turkish yeah, players but, getting opportunities. Yeah, but... but you can't see also, uh, uh, as I said, uh, I'm giving an example. You said Jimmy Durmaz as an mm-hmm. example, but he even couldn't get the chance to play. Like, he played, uh, I looked at that, and it, it's like uh, 160 minutes uh, for his total playtime uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Compared so, to Yunus Agun? Yeah, could be, but uh, even he, uh, Jimmy Durmas haven't been getting chances. So, 
Uh, it's not uh, quite fair to say uh, Turkish players are getting the Emre Mor was getting those opportunities that could have gone to the academy players, yeah. but we're kind of off track here now. Uh, yeah. Burak, what do you think? Emre, Mert Hakan, Fenerbahce, Besiktas, Galatasaray, Trabzonspor? I'd send them to Başakşehir. here. Um, <laughs> yes, let, let them waste away in front of 500 people. Let like, them waste away, but you say that, but if Başakşehir keep Okan Buruk and, you know, Ed Visca might be off in the summer at his age, he might decide to trade in Başakşehir for a a bigger club. And if, do you if really Başakşehir... think it's still going to happen for Ed Visca? He's, he's 30. I think I think he could. I think, you know, someone might snap him up for like two years, uh, potentially, that, the you know, just in the... the going past the peak into the twilight. But I think the style of football that Ockham Bodrick plays would maybe but would, would suit someone like an Emre Kulinch. But I think they would only be able to lure him if they finish second and they get into like the, the Champions League qualifying places. But uh, again, if you're a footballer and you're going to a Turkish club that's going to finish second this season, you, you have to... Be very careful if they try and sell you Champions League football because you're going to go through a qualifier that you're probably going to lose. Mm -hmm. um, and let's be honest, because it's uh, very rarely Turkish teams go through when they play the, the qualifiers for the Champions League. So unless Bush actually hit a win the league, which I don't think they will, I think they'll be in and around the top top three, top four. Um, but I, 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 I think that would be a good place for their, their growth. It being Istanbul, not a crazy big team, um, and you know Irfan Can might be off in the summer um, if he has a good Euros. So Matt Harkan could you know s slot in there. Might want to take them as not getting any younger. So and Başakşehir might have some money to be able to offer up to them. Mm. But uh, even though I, I'd love to see them at, at, at you know at Fener, um and even just to stay in the Super League so we can see them play football. If if they get the offer, I think they should go abroad at the drop of a hat. Um, and that is yeah. my uh, two cents. I think, personally, I, if I was them, I would not go to Başakşi here. They're both 25, going on 26. This is I, this is their chance. This is their big chance. They're never going to have a better opportunity to either to go to one of the big clubs in Turkey or abroad. Uh, I think going to Başakşehir now, that's basically making a career choice. Then you're probably going to end or at least have your best years of your career at Başakşehir. Like, uh, I, I don't know, I think Irfan Can, maybe he still has an opportunity to go, but I think he's 25, 26 too, um, or maybe he's 24, but yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's uh, move on a little bit. Let's talk a bit about uh, Galatasaray. Let's talk about them first. They had a rough week, I would say, going out uh, in the cup, despite uh, winning against Alanya Spor, but going out on aggregate, so no chance at the trophy there. But they are still in it in the league, of course, after their sixth consecutive win by the skin of their teeth against Malatya Spor, thanks to uh, a penalty from uh, Adem Buk in the 45th minute. Adem Buk, uh, again, on the score sheet. But it wasn't uh, all easy for Galtzray. They struggled quite a bit. Uh, I think they were very fortunate that VAR didn't pick up on a series handball. 
I don't know how that slipped through the cracks. Um, and then, albeit uh, they had their opportunities, but so did Malatias Spore. Uzer, what did you think of Galtari's performance? Mm. Yeah, performance was pretty average, really. The first half was decent, um, but towards the last 20-25 minutes, Gala were really pinned back by Malatia, and it was it was a really edgy finish to the game because I thought Malatia more than deserved to score in that match. Um, and we, again, we owe Muslera one or two occasions. Mm -hmm. um, and also after the first 17 seconds when he made a superb save against uh, Gokhan Teresh's shot. I mean, yeah, we, he's, we've called Muslera into action more often than not in the last couple of games, even though we've been winning on the trot. So I think that we were very kind of lackluster, a little bit complacent in this game, maybe with a, one mark with a mind on the derby as well. But the point is we're, we're winning the games now, and I, I appreciate that we have a fixture advantage. You know, everyone can see that. However, these same types of games we were dropping points at in the first half of the season. So... There's definitely a lot more composure and we're closing out games and at least we're having kind of the mental strength to, to not concede in the last couple of minutes like we did three times at the end of last season. So, you know, trajectory is, of the team is good. Emre, I've played excellently again. He's back, he's stronger, he's more agile than ever before. Won the um, penalty. Touchwood. Won the penalty, exactly won the penalty. Touchwood, Nazar Demison. Adem Buick as well, he stepped up uh, as he has been doing. It's four and four now, four games in a row. Uh, Amer played well again. He had, um, I think, he had a design, he had an assist that was denied by VAR as well because I think the arm of Adam Buick was offside. Um, but you know, he did his job again. I, I think um, arms I can highlight, be offside, by the way. Uh, well, yeah. I just uh, wanted to highlight Seri because I think Seri has been pretty bad in the last few weeks, mm -hmm. uh, giving away a lot of balls in possession, a lot of sloppy passing, and uh, he really needs to be sharp because. We've lost Lamina now for the derby. Yeah, injured. That's a huge blow for us. Huge, huge blow. Because he's been our consistently best performer alongside Emre, in my opinion, since the start of the year. And, um, yeah, Seri needs to really up his game. What did you think of that handball? Uh, were you surprised that didn't go to VAR? Mm, it hits them pretty fast, really. He's kind of turning his body away from it. But given the amount of, you know, political decisions that we're getting from VAR, then I'm surprised he didn't get picked up, I guess, yeah. I, th I think Rebocho's handball against Fenerbahce was similar, to say the least. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Sa yeah, maybe. Same maybe. thing, turning away. Turn, and turning, turning his, his yeah. body away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Umut, what did you think of the exit in the cup midweek? Uh, were you surprised that Galtrai weren't able to turn things around against Alanyaspor? Well, uh, it was a large... Uh, it was a big score to turn up against. Yeah, two nil in the away two nil, Yeah, yeah, in aggregate. So uh, conceding at home, uh, you uh, at the start of the game, you uh, like you gave the game away already. But they didn't give up and uh, tried harder, tried harder, but uh, couldn't make it at the end. And we also lost Mariano uh, there uh, with the red card. Mm -hmm. uh, he has shown uh, at the 90 plus fifth minute. Like, uh, I don't know uh, what was the need of it, but he was on a uh, yellow and he did a foul there, unnecessary foul, and got a second yellow to receive a red. But uh, also, Adam Buick was also in the score sheet there, and he's been contributing more and more. And I think he will be under the, uh, form, in the formation for, uh, against Fenerbahce, I hope. 
because yeah, it will be really start right. I mean, uh, Radamel Falcao did come on in the league match for the last ten or so minutes, uh, but Adam Buick, given his current form, I think putting him on the bench now for the derby that wouldn't be the right sign towards the players. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and also. We've seen uh, Omar Bayram on the left back this time, uh, uh, different from how we see him this season, uh, like uh, in the left wing or in the right in the middle of the midfield, uh, as a like a dynamo, uh, we can call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he's now uh, he played in his uh, original position where he played for years, and he was decent actually. But uh, I don't know if. Pattern will use him there. Uh, it's, it actually relies on how um, uh, Saraki turns out. Uh, if he's still injured, uh, we're gonna see Omar Bayram or uh, Martin Linnes on the left side of the back. I think uh, this is uh, a quite hard situation for Galatasaray, uh, as well as uh, Fenerbahce losing the Luis Gustavo. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that in a moment. The big talking point in this cup match was, of course, the passive offside goal uh, that was denied to uh, Seri for Adam Buk being in a passive offside position. At least that's what people were calling it on Twitter. But I don't really know how you call it a passive offside when the player is clearly hindering Marafona. Obviously, I don't think Marafona would make the save, but referees are not supposed to take that into account. The player is there in the path of the goalkeeper. I was surprised by how many people were, um, yeah, annoyed by that goal getting uh, disallowed. Uh, what did you guys think about it? Was that the correct decision or not? The the offside before the penalty. No, the offside in uh, in the cup match where uh, Adam Buick was basically laying underneath Marafona in an offside position and Seri's goal uh, in the cup. Oh, in the cup I've, I think I've, I've successfully wiped that out of my mind, that whole, <laughs> that whole game. <laughs> yeah, no, I just found it curious that people were calling it a passive offside. I mean, I, I, can, I can see it if the guy is laying like, say, four or five meters away from the, the goalkeeper or, or whatever. Uh, they, they, then you call the passive offside, but I don't really know how you... I mean, Buak, do you remember the position? Man of the law? Um, I don't remember seeing it, it live. I think I got into watch the match a little bit sort of later on, but having haven't watched it back, like like you said, it's not a, a passive offside. It's not a guy lying down injured, like near the touchline, who is, you know, offside, clearly not interfering. Like you said, he is... Unfortunately, he's injured, but by being injured, he's blocking Marathoner's uh, ability to command his um, penalty area and get in line. And when the ball is played, there is it's offside. Um, so it's uh, I think it's pretty open and shut. Um, I uh, I don't know why people are getting so so angry, but it's. It's a Turk's yeah. prerogative to be angry, so that's probably no, why. No, no, not because angry, but uh, what I saw is that most of them don't really know the rules at all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because uh, without knowing the rules, they just want to like uh, talk about whatever they uh, they have in mind, and just because they're thinking it's right to say, uh, just uh, just say 
their own team uh, at the stake. Yeah. Well, we spoke, we alluded already a little bit to that derby next week. Uh, let's talk about the other side of that equation. Fenerbahce, they played against one of the relegation candidates in Ankara Giju, who have, of course, had... Uh, a very good uh, start to the second half of the season, and they will continue that trend here with a 2-1 win over Fener at uh, home in Ankara. Um, Fenerbahce didn't look uh, particularly impressive at all, I think. Burak, you were not happy with their performance, but it does have to be said, in the lead-up to that first goal, there does seem to be a pretty pretty blatant handball in the build-up. And again, I don't really understand how stuff like that gets missed by VAR. It's baffling at times. It, it is. It is, a, it is baffling, but um, you, you can't fault the, the performance of, of Uncle Lugage, um especially the the guy, the little Georgian guy, Lobonitsa. Yeah, Lobonitsa, he was in, amazing yeah. in the first half. Oh, especially. he was superb. <laughs> Absolute little firecracker. He, he caused uh, Dirar no end of problems, and our left side with comp- compiled of Noble Dirar at left back and Tolga Gierge on <laughs> as a left winger. Fuck me. Absolutely horrendous. Um, so Lobionitsa was just dancing his merry dance around them. And he's so quick. And again, he's one of the, the, the many signings that Ankara made in, in January as soon as the ban lifted. It's like they literally went, went to the, sh- the supermarket with a trolley and just got their arms on either side of the aisle and just went, <laughs> and just like, right, all of you, in you come, and they went off. Yeah. Um, but they, all the new signings played um, incredibly well, and um, Gerson Rodriguez yeah. as well, who who scored the second goal, a great strike. Yeah. Um, Did take a deflection in, in Altai's defence. A little bit of a deflection, but they, 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 you know, they fully earned their victory. Um, we were... We were absolutely awful. Um, I think all of the outside influences have, I think, maybe gotten into the heads of the players a little bit and, and maybe Arsenal hasn't been able to get them concentrated on the football. It doesn't help that we... You know, we, we're still playing Dillard at left-back and we're playing Charleston at, at centre-back while you have Rami and Simon Fallett there who've played in the cup... I would have been tempted just to play them um, instead of Jarlson. Maybe put Jarlson in in midfield. Mm-hmm. And looking looking by the fact that Gustavo got got booked, I think we will have to do that next week. You know, yeah. I I think you 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 will need to st- you will need to start Jarlson in midfield alongside Ozan because Emre's injured and Gustavo's suspended. So it's going to be either Rami or Fallet, and for them it's going to be a, a baptism of fire. If it was me, I'd probably go for Rami, just because of his experience and you know being in. Okay, he didn't play much at the World Cup, but he's played for big teams before in these kind of big games when he's been um, at at Marseille and when he's been uh, at his previous teams. I can't remember right now, but there's always been a big derby, and he's got a bit of character about him. Whether he is as good as he used to be. Question. Sevilla, I believe. Um, yes, probably was at Sevilla, wasn't he? Um, yes, you're right. Um, it doesn't help that we we are not playing the type of football where we are getting uh, Modric into chances. He is having to do a lot of coming back and and getting the ball, and there's no one quick. 
to for him to get the ball to. Who Cruiser, who's a, you know a clever player, but he, he, I think nearly everyone had a bad game apart from Max Cruiser last week, and he, even by his standards from the last six games, he was poor. But the team like suffered from just a lack of creativity and a lack of pace. If you look at someone like Trabzon, where you've got Serloff up front and he turns around, he's got like Ekoban on one wing, he's got Nwakayemi on one wing, he's got Sosa behind him, and they've got... Sarre, yeah, they, the players too, you know, they play as quick passes and, you know, you know, Vedup probably looks up and on one wing he's got Tolga Djerjin, he's like, fuck this. Oh my God. <laughs> and then he turns around and he looks at Denis Turic and he's like... Dennis, you're left-footed. Why are you playing on the right wing? For fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> I mean, at least put Dennis on the left because he's left-footed and put Tolga Djerjic on the right. I mean, we yeah, you, have played... You can, un- you can understand that if it was a, a Gokhan Ture type who likes to play uh, opposite foot on, on the, the other wing, uh, you know, uh, Arjen Robben type, but that's not the case with, with Dennis Turic. Dennis Turic is a crosser, is a classical, uh, you know, uh, wing left midfielder, right midfield, whatever you want to call it, you know, like a David Beckham type, you know. And you've got players like uh, Zeitz, who, you know, has been having a good run in the cup. He's like, well, why isn't he getting a chance to mm. to come on? And then you're chucking on Faraday with about 20 minutes and with the, t- the team playing as badly as it is, you can't put that responsibility onto Faraday's shoulders. I would have started him personally and I would start him in the derby. Um just to say, look, go on, go in from the start, feel your way into the match. Because um, so I just feel it's unfair bringing Faraday on in this type of game where the team is just absolutely abysmal and hoping for wonders. And he's already coming into like a, a flat atmosphere. The ball's not being being uh, zipped about. You, you've got Ozan who failed to impress and. You know, our best players will, I'd say, Sadar Aziz and, and Cruz. And, you know, when Sadar Aziz is popping up to get you a goal right at the end of the game, then that's when you know it's been a, a very bad day at the office. So it's, I'm not looking forward to the derby this weekend, personally. It's, it's funny, it's funny, you got, despite all this doom and gloom that you're presenting from Ferrer's side, I'm, I'm equally pessimistic from Jim Mom's side, even though we won six out of six playing decent football. I think. Lamina's loss is, is huge, can't be underestimated. But also, there's the whole voodoo jinx thing of, uh, of Calico, which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely fine with. Um, I don't expect us to go out there and win. If we don't win, it's not the end of the world. But as long as we don't lose, that would be, that would be a huge blow for us. I think a draw is going to be what, what happens. At the it's destined for nil-nil then, isn't it? It's obviously. destined for nil-nil, yeah. I know, it's going to be a boring game. And then I'm going to... And I, I sure, I shall I shall die by the sword if it's completely opposite of that at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, if it's like a four three or yeah, a exactly. five four for that. Um I would I I'm you know I'm like last season was albeit a lot worse and it was it was one one. And there have been seasons before when we have been bad, I think like was it the two thousand or the ninety nine season where it was the freak goal by Samuel Johnson. Um oh, Johnson. Just Samuel, the, the big Ghanaian, he's knocking at your door. Yeah. The, the deflected free kick. Um, and again, this season, we, we've had, we've only got one point from the last nine. So, again, it's a very bad time to go into it. But, Ali Koch is speaking what, tomorrow. How's he still in a job? One point in nine. 
Um, I don't think getting rid of him is going to do the team any good. I, I'm, I just think who else is you going to bring until the end of the season? I could quadge one to get results driven football. Um, I just defending. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. Yanol's going to stay there till the end of the season. I mean, I think we had a poll saying if, if Yanol loses at the weekend, should he be fired? And there'll probably be people calling for him to be fired, but yeah, I'm like, what? What's the what catch? A, well, who else? I was I was surprised okay. though that uh, it does seem like a lot of people are turning against uh, the technique cadre, so to speak, because I do remember seeing a, a poll with quite a lot of votes on it, uh, like t- more than twenty thousand, I believe, and it it really heavily weighed on on that aspect of who is there to blame? Is it the players? Is it the board? Is it uh, the TFF? Or is it the you know the the technical staff and I was surprised by the result because, of course, you know, Fenerbahce have had their fair share of uh, TFF uh, conspiracy, whatever, this season. Uh, but still, a lot, large portion of the fans seem to be looking at uh, the, the, the technical staff. And I'm just curious, what do you think, Burak? And also, are you surprised that Fenerbahce have done as well as they did? Did have so far with Ozan Tufan and Tolga Zierji playing the majority of the matches on the wings. I mean, coming coming into the season, I don't think any Fenar fan realistically expected us to be championship contenders. If you looked at the team right at the start of the season, based on the season we had last season, and then the performances started to come. Had mm-hmm. a great start with the the five nil at home against Gaziantep Football Club. And then, you know, the team started to play decent football. And then you had your spate of injuries. You failed to sign a left back. You were reduced to playing Dirar there because Hassan Ali got injured. Then you sent Ismail Kobashur um, off. I'd probably rather play Dirar there than Ismail, to be fair. And then restrictions with the transfers. You weren't able to bring in players that you wanted to. Um it's hard. I I would prefer to play someone like a Faraday on the wing, just you know, and and they and a Dennis. So even though I think Faraday's best position would probably be a central attacker midfielder, mm-hmm. you know, behind someone like Modric. We've got Cruiser there, so I can understand the decision to to play Max. But I would put Faraday on the right wing. I'd put Dennis on the left wing. You know, rotate them with someone like um at sites and. But then there's no one else, like winger-wise. You know, a few of them get injured. You've got Gary, who's injured at the moment, and he's, you know, he's done well for us, but he's not, you know, I think he's on loan as well, so he's not a a fix to the to the situation. I think it's a combination of, of everything that is compounding, but the club is, I think, just becoming a, a fortress onto itself like it usually does. Um, a lot of the fans are are silly. I think the the same ones that were chanting for Arsenal you know, last year when Koku was doing badly are now chanting for him to leave. And I think they are just pure reactionary who don't really understand how how football works from like a, a deep lying understanding perspective. Yeah. Of well, what what was it that Aziz Yildirim called the called them paralytic effect there? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, our, our our good friend of the podcast, Arman Polat, of course, who's been on the podcast before, he has also been critical of the appointment of Ersun Yanal, and I think he has, throughout even the good run of form, upheld that, look, this guy just keeps doing weird things. Uh, and, and maybe Fenerbahce would be better off right now if it weren't for Ersun Yanal with, with maybe a little bit more result-oriented coach like an Aykut Kojaman, despite him not having a, the last two seasons at Konya weren't a big success for him, but still... Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's, well, it's just baffling to see Tolga just start every match uh, as a winger. Um, I, I think Tolga is a, is a great player to have in your in your squad mm-hmm. to to bring on into that central midfield yeah. with maybe twenty minutes to go or playing the cup because he does very hard worker. Um, he will not try and do anything silly. But then again, he's not going to do anything great, as we can see. You know, he's he's wasted a plethora of goal-scoring opportunities when presented with them, and makes a wrong decision when he's in that final third. You know, with the that's goalkeeper, not, that's not really his role. Isn't it, really? It's not. It's not his role. So mm-hmm. why why play him in a, a position position where he's gonna? He's not the quickest guy either. He's got a good engine. You know, he can run around for nine minutes. He's this kind of big lump that you can put in there as a central defensive midfielder. Um, I would. Well, I would probably stick with Arsenal until the end of the season, personally, unless things get really, really bad, which I don't think they what they will do. And I think to bad, you mean? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was awful, um, but it's got to be interesting to see what happens in the summer. Strong, you know, rumours about Errol Bullet um, mm. from Alanya. Course, you know, um, ex Fenar player. Yeah. Um, would it be the right move for him at this point in, in his career at his age? Um, he's gonna go at one point, or, yeah. or, or do Fenar go out and try and appoint a a foreign manager? But then again, yeah. who who's gonna be out there? I think there's, there's and there's a lot of football still to be played before the end of the season, and there's a lot of things that are gonna happen in Turkey before the end of the season. So let's see what the, the socio-political um, climate is going to be like come, say, July, June, August, and then we can make a decision. But I would stick with Arsenal until until the end, like I say, unless we're in a run of losing four games in a row, in, in, in which case you have and to be sacked. There's the stigma, of course, in Turkey right now that a foreign manager can be successful uh, because of the last decade or so, it's always been a Turkish manager who has won the league. But I don't think we should forget that in the, I think starting with with uh, with Ducescu in two thousand and two, I think we had a stretch of like seven or eight years where it was always a foreign manager who won the league. And Ducescu twice, uh, then Christoph Daum twice, uh, then I yeah. guess Feldkamp or Heretz. Uh, Gerrits, and then I think we had Siko and we had Feldkamp who then left but technically that title didn't belong to him I think some uh, the, oh, the, yeah. yeah but you know it was his title yeah, take him in, yeah. 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 I, think, so, I think there's uh, there's only one man for the job for the Fener job and it's MRA the slayer <laughs> of Fener Turk- top coach yeah. the, I, the, I don't the see Turkish a guy Klopp, uh, going to Fener Oh yeah, good point. So maybe he's waiting, waiting in line for the Trabzon job. I don't oh, see him coming back at He was, he was Trabzon coach, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he took was. Trabzon yeah. on that, that brilliant run, and then only was beaten by Juventus. He yeah, was, see, uh, this guy, this guy four, is a legend of a coach. Waiting he was fourteen sixty one Trabzon's coach, it, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and he brought up a lot of uh, younger players and then he went to Trabzon and then afterwards Osmanle and yeah good coach and then he took a sabbatical <laughs> anyway uh, yeah let's talk a little bit Angregiju here huge win for them uh, does not move them out of the relegation zone however as uh, also Antalya Sport in the relegation zone got a win in their relegation dogfight against Kasim Pasha Kasim Pasha who just keep losing week in week out they are looking dead in the water right now they're down right at the bottom, just one point above Kaiserispor. Uh, they're on, on 16 points at the minute, uh, and that's already four points less than both Ankaragücü and Konyaspor. And Konyaspor are probably another team that are going to have to worry about relegation. We spoke about it in the past couple of weeks. Of course, last week they decided to part ways with Aykut Kocaman, brought in Bülent Korkmaz. I think that uh, surprised a lot of us. We were, I think, expecting Abdullah Afçe, Unal Karaman, and suddenly, bam, there it is. Bülent Korkmaz makes his debut as a coach in a home game against Gustepe, team on form, and they take the lead early in the match, but Gustepe turn it around, win 1-3. It was a very spectacular and exciting match, but I think also Gustepe showing their quality and, and Konya just coming up short. But was it a promising performance despite the result? Uh, for for Konya score, well, I think I think they had some decent chances. To be fair, I mean, um, they they've come off a really horrendous run of form, and and they haven't scored a goal at home since the second of November, and ended up taking the lead in this game. So mm. you know, you could say from that small little glimmer of hope that despite the fact that Bullet Hodger has his work cut out, then it's it's some improvement at least. You know, at least the fans had something to cheer for for a little while. Um, but I agree that Gustepe were just, uh, you know, they were too hot to handle. Um, they could have scored a lot more in this in this game. And then when you actually take a look at their squad and their, their starting lineup, at least, it's really quite impressive. We had Wilczek up front, who who is kind of looked like he's easing easing in quite quickly into the squad. Serdar, Napoleon, and Halil uh, behind them, and then Castro and, and Soner as well. Halil again, my boy, I love this guy. What a classy goal he scored. It was. We talked about it, in, you know, as as the game was going on as well. It was such a classy chip, almost Haji esque. He's now been given the captain's armband. He's um, he's really, really the star man of, of his mid, and he needs to get that call up for the national team. I keep keep saying it every week. Keep scoring. He keeps turning on the style. He needs to get that call up. Same can be said about Serdar Gürler, of course. Oh yeah, agreed, agreed. Who I think is even in more Liga, influential. Yeah, yeah. His time in La Liga obviously paid up. <laughs> yeah, and Kasim Pasha in a very bad way right now. I, I just don't see... Uh, I, I think they're dead in the water at this point. And I know I think I said it a couple times last season about a team and it didn't end up relegating. But I don't know. Kasim Pasha for me right now. Kasim Pasha or Konya? Kasim Pasha, Kasim Pasha. Okay. Konya, I mean, I saw I saw some... like like As I said, I saw some glimmer of hope here. They got their chances. They played against one of the better teams in the league right now, one of the teams in the best form. So I can still see them crawling out of this ditch, but at the same time, Ankaragücü are going to really give them a run for their money. And I, I, I can't see Ankaragücü going down at the moment. So there's other teams that are, are you know hovering around that relegation zone right now. And we were speaking about it a couple of weeks, uh, just last week, I think, Malatya Sport, for example, who are on 24 points. And we were... And, 
yeah, some of you were like, ah, you know, they're, they're probably safe, but, you know, they're just four points off the relegation zone at this point, and there's still plenty of matches to go, so they will have to pick up their, their, their form. Same could be said about Rizespor, who are on 24 points. Gensterberly also on 24 points, but they are still uh, moving up in the world. They got a win away at Alanyaspor this week uh, through a goal by the returning hero, Bogdan Stanku. Um... Yeah, good win, great win for Gensterberly to keep their head above water in that relegation dogfight. But really, there's a lot of teams. Uh, Malatya Spor, Gensterberly, Denizli Spor, Rize Spor, all on 24 points. Uh, just four points against the above the relegation drop-off. Then we have Antalya Spor, who with their win against Kasim Pasha now are on, on 22 points. And then, of course, uh, Konya Spor and Ankerek Jubov on 20 points. So those teams all look to be in it. Uh, for for that that relegation battle at the minute and uh, yeah it's gonna be exciting and I don't know of those teams if you look at the form graph I think Ankara do have uh, the best papers and and Antalya Ankara Ankara do have a tough next three games here they've got the the Ankara derby away at Genshlat next Sunday after that they are at home to, to Sivasport. Mm-hmm. Um, they've dropped off, um, but you know, still uh, a good team. And then after that, they are away at Besiktas. So next three games, but they've they've proved with their new their new signings that they can give anyone um, a good game. And as long as they they work hard, you know, as hard as they did against Fenad, then I think that they could come through that that fixture list with maybe three or four points. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that other team that uh, kind of dropped off in the title race, Besiktas, and the team that is still clamping on, Basakshir. Basakshir beat Besiktas one nil at home. I didn't think it was a particularly impressive performance by Basakshir. Uh, on the contrary, actually, I think it was one of their more vintage performances. Really reminded me of the old Istanbul Büyükşehir Belediyespor, where. They just for 90 minutes looked like the only thing they were interested in was sitting back and praying on the counter. Um, and, you know, you could understand that if they got a really early goal uh, here, but that wasn't really the case. Uh, Besiktas, not capable enough offensively. Interesting tactic, though. Uh, Sergei Yalcin clearly had something worked out uh, that they were going to try to shoot from distance. Uh, and, and try to set up players just on the edge of the box to get a shot on goal. Mertz, I think, made about seven saves or so. The only problem with that is, if you're going to do that, you have to really try and make sure that that person getting in that shooting position is someone like Kevin Prince-Boateng and not Atiba Hutchinson, because Atiba Hutchinson, I love the guy, great player, great professional, but shooting is not his forte. Uh, El Neni had a couple of good shots, I think, or at least one really good shot where he really forced Mert uh, to make a good save. But uh, yeah, Bashakshir without a lot of shine, without a lot of glimmer, get that win, and they are currently in second position. And we spoke about it earlier, Galtzray with their win, sixth win in a row, they're in third. And now Sivaspor have dropped out of the top three albeit on goal differential with Galatasaray, they are now in fourth position. So, yeah, what, what do you guys think about Bashakshi here? I don't think they are title candidates. I What I saw from them against Besiktas, to me, that's not a team that's playing for the title. That's a team that's playing for second or third place. Well, let's, let's give these guys a bit more credit because they've got a game in Europe this week. They're playing sporting, so maybe they just... 
Sobhishik Dash has an easy target. Thought, yeah, let's just get the job done, pack up, go home, and think about sporting Lisbon. Yeah, you. I, I don't think <laughs> that's that a bit case. harsh. No, I don't think that's the case because I think this was one of those matches. If if they could have easily gone a goal down, uh, they really needed an excellent uh, Mert, I think, to keep them uh, mm, ahead. That was and, amazing. And then, yeah, and uh, Besiktas, they, they were clearly giving Besiktas the ball. That was the plan. But I don't think allowing as many uh, shooting opportunities as they did was part of their plan. So um, mm-hmm. I think that if a detail went a little bit differently, this could have ended up very easily as a, as a, as a loss for them. Um, so I don't know about that. For me, it was a... Yeah, I was very disappointed. I expected more from Okan Burek. I expected more guts. Um, but maybe they figured, you know, that hasn't gone too well in uh, previous uh, matches against Fenerbahce, for example. Uh, so they tried something else. I, but I can't, uh, I can't see them getting points against, for example, uh, an on-form Trabzonspore playing like this because I think they're just going to get punished if they do that. Maybe, but I think they should still be given some credit for having that adaptable game plan. Like, like you said, they tried. Going all guns blazing against Fair didn't work out. They tried something different against Bishop Dust. This time it did work out. They've also got the middle ground that they play against the kind of the, the average uh, average side. So I think Okambaruk is, is showing us that he's got more than one trick in the in, the, in his toolbox. And I think okay, it was a slightly negative football. Sergan was was really annoyed at the end of the game with his press conference saying we we lost the game to a team who did nothing. Um, but I think it's kind of underestimating the the kind of the tactical prowess of Mr. Buruk, Buruk, uh, Buruk's team. And we'll see, we'll see what happens against um, Sporting Lisbon, but I think they're Someone needs to mute, so. by the way. Thank you. Sorry about that, Desert, but it was starting to annoy me. <laughs> I think that yeah. was uh, it. Yeah, so I think they're not getting the credit there. So, can, we, can we also talk about um, Adab- uh, Dembaba, please? Because yes, of course, of course. I mean, yeah. he's, so he scored a brilliant goal on the end of a superbly executed move from Bashak Jahir and didn't celebrate. Yeah. And I was thinking, what? no celebration, really? I mean, okay, he played for one season for Besiktas. Um, it's not one in a, well, he one season he plus came back. a little, he played a few games on that. But it's not yeah, like he's he won some, a title. some sort he won a title. of he, yeah. But he's not some sort of club legend, and he played for Gustav as well. After all, I he's mean, a cult, he, he's a cult figure, though, he, and he, the love he got from the fans and all if, that. If he scores against Gustav, is he gonna is he gonna have a mute celebration too? I mean, no, he's, don't he's, wrong, he's, he said this from I, day one, though. He said that from day yeah. One. I just I just think it's a bit. I mean, I'm not asking for Adebayor versus Arsenal kind of thing like we saw in 2009, running up to the away fans. But I just want a little bit more, um, little bit more passion. A little bit more passion. It's professional. Yeah, no, if, he did if, what if he had was, to do. He didn't miss well, on purpose. And uh, he has guess, always yeah. said he wouldn't celebrate against Besiktas. So, yeah, well. Can't, I don't know. If, if I was one of the 312 Bashakta fans who turned up, then I would be livid by that. Oh, well. Salt them. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> what about Kevin Prince Boiteng's yellow card? Do you think that should have been a red when it came through the back of the Bashakta play? He slid about a, a meter and and took him out he could rightfully you know get a card but could that potentially have been a a red for reckless and dangerous play what nah, what, what he, do you think don't think so i think he got the ball as well and oh no so i want to say what about the denver bar goal where it was given as a foul because carries rushed out 
jumped for the ball, mm-hmm. j- tried to jump over Dembaba, jumped into him, and dropped the ball, and the the ref gave a a foul. Mm-hmm. Was that was that really really a foul? Was Dembaba, or did he just knew what he was doing by standing still there and hoping Karras would like rush out and, and jump into him? Because I don't see a whole lot of what you know Bar did wrong there for it to be given this I a think foul. The, the problem is that he didn't challenge for the ball. Because he didn't go up for the ball or anything like that. So, at that point, you're basically just blocking the goalkeeper. But for me, I think Besiktas got uh, lucky there. But that's the, that's the rationale I'm being told. Because he didn't go up for the duel. You're actually just automatically uh, teamed as blocking the goalkeeper. But for me, uh, I think that Karius fumbles it before contact. You can see him misjudging it. So, I think it's just lucky. What's going to happen with Karras? Is he is he go, he's going back at the end of the season? His two season loan is over. Yeah. So w- what do you see happening? And, and who do you think Besiktas should look for as a replacement goalkeeper? Khan, that's that's one for you. I think uh, the easiest way, the easiest fix is bring Fabri back. Uh, Fabri has not had a happy stay at Fulham. Only played a couple of matches last season. Got loaned out to Mallorca this season. Isn't playing there. Uh, I think it would be easy, cheap. And uh, a, a good short-term fix. Uh, Fabri is going on 33. He'll be turning 33. Um, it'll, yeah, it'll be uh, an easy, relatively cheap move. I think uh, Fulham won't be difficult about it. He didn't set the world afire in La Liga this season for Mallorca, so there won't be any tough competition. I think that's the the the, the logical choice. Otherwise, I think you have to look at uh, young younger players maybe a Turkish goalkeeper but I'm not a big fan of Turkish goalkeepers uh, an option could be Gökhan Akan at, at Rizespor. Uh I'm not sure what his contract status is another one that I'd be very interested in but that's almost impossible is uh, Berke Özer who is uh, doing really well at the Westerlo right now but um, yeah of course he's property of, uh, of Fenerbahce so I don't know how that would work uh, plus, uh, they paid like two and a half million for him, so I I can't really see that happen either. So uh, you I'm can have sure. it for five billion euros. Billion or million? Million. Five oh, okay. million euros. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's shake not, on it now. That's not too. That's not too bad. That's me spitting on my hand for a spit um, shake. Oh yeah, and there's a what's his name? There's a Portuguese goalkeeper right now. He plays for Tondela, Claudio Ramos. I want to say. Uh, his name is he is at the end of his contract he's on a Bosman uh, supposedly Erdal Tronelare is looking at him and that's a, an option I spoke to uh, a friend of mine who works for Ojogo and uh, he's a very good goalkeeper supposedly um, 28 years old rather small similar to Fabri like 183 but a very solid reputation in, in Portugal so that's an interesting option too, free, uh, and he's on a very low wage in Portugal, so Besiktas could bring him in on a relatively low wage as they did with Fabri. Uh, that's an option too, of course, and I'm sure there's plenty of other options, but yeah, I, definitely Karius, I think that's not going to be, uh, that, I think that best for both parties to go their separate ways. I, I, I like Karius, I think he's a good goalkeeper, but at the same time, I think he would probably be better off playing in a mid-table German side where the pressure isn't as high uh, because, I don't know, it, it, it has affected him. I think that a lot of the criticism he gets is, is often 
um, exaggerated uh, because of that big moment in the Champions League final two years ago. I think he's an easy target for people. Uh, I also think that in Turkey, it's very easy to um, automatically shift blame to the goalkeeper. I mean, uh, a friend of mine literally said about the Dembaba goal, well, it's not Karis's fault, but a good goalkeeper would save that. And I'm like, really? I mean, that, that's, you know the type of people that always say, a good goalkeeper saves that. So, are you telling me Jean-Luigi Buffon never lets in a goal? Does, uh, you know, does, does Thibaut Courtois not let in a goal? Does uh, Navas not let in goals? Or do they only let in the best shots? Uh, come on. That's such a. That's one of the most annoying things. I, 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 one of the, my biggest gripes in, in, in football uh, is uh, people saying a good goalkeeper saves that. Because sometimes, okay, sometimes that's like a savable shot and then it's true. But very often it's on a proper clean finish and then they're like, oh yeah, no, a good goalkeeper would save that. No, it's. You can't just say that. It's. Yeah. Anyway. Is that the Khan <laughs> rant over for this episode? Yes, but you started it, so you're the one to blame. Oh god, Pandora's box was opened and he, he literally just kicked it down. So I think we already <laughs> spoke about Alanya's spore. Uh there's one match I definitely still wanna wanna talk about. It's the Denizli Spore match because it also led to uh the resignation of uh, Mehmet Uzdilek at the end of the match. They lost of course against a dead bottom in the league, Kaiseri Spore. Uh, the goal here uh, came in the second half. But there's one moment in particular that I really wanted to, to highlight. Hugo Rodallega basically gets a Ryan Donk barge on him by uh, Pedro Henrique, I think it was. It was a flat-out body check in the box. For me, that's a stonewall penalty. I know he's putting his body in between Rodallego and the Rodallego and the ball, but the way he comes in, just shoving him basically with his yes, it's with his shoulders, but that wasn't shoulder to shoulder. That was like shoulder to chest or something. Burak, man of the law, please. Am I crazy or is that just a stonewall penalty? I am trying to find that position again because I remember watching that and thinking, hang on. What's, 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 what's going on here? Um, so I am going to defer until I've got the, the position up on my screen so I can go and give you actual live um, commentary on it. So um, anyone, anyone else saw the position uh, and, and it jumped out to them? I, I didn't see it. Did, 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 you, did you catch that? Almost. Yeah, I think it's like a, a similar to Ryan Donk's position, but uh, as Khan said, it's like a mortal chest, you know. Uh, mm. It could be given, but I don't know, man. <laughs> Referee is in our league, man. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong what he's doing. He's trying to. He's he's putting himself in between Rodallega and the ball, and that's fine. That's perfectly good defending, but the way he barges in, it's just too much. It's a fall. Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a fall. So in the box, it should be a fall too. That's, I mean, yeah. I think if that's anywhere else, the referee will blow his whistle 99 times out of 100. And also, did you find out why Olje Shahan was getting booed all of a sudden in the Denis Lee? Uh, I have no clue. No clue. Oh, that's a penalty. That's a penalty. Yeah, that's a penalty. He's just 
he's just come body checked him with his, his, yeah. his hip. His no hip. eye for the ball, just bam into Rodallega. Exactly. Was it Omar Schenner? Or, no, I Pedro. Think it's, uh, Pedro Enrique. Pedro Enrique, that's one. The, the guy, he, he's probably getting revenge. He's probably thinking, hey, if Dunk can get away with it, so can I. So, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, it was actually Dunk. the guy it was yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, same guy. guy. <laughs> same guy. I wonder if there's any correlation there. Is it also the same referee? <laughs> and he was like, no, you can't. You can't give a penalty for that. You didn't give one last time. It's like, um, yeah, I think uh, Dennis Lee can feel definitely agree because it was still nil nil. Yeah, it was nil nil. At that point. So to our Dennis Lee fan that listens and, and sends us messages as well, we, we definitely think that you were robbed of a penalty but you've been playing very poor football for the last couple of weeks. So put yourself together, man. <laughs> well, well <laughs> there, there was something else I noticed in, in this game, which, which was another gripe that I want to add to my list. You'll see a recurring theme from my, from my notes here. But the goal scorer, Christian Saperani, the, uh, the, the defender, was scored a great header for yeah, a centre-back, yeah. especially really impressive header. But again, just like Dembabar, his celebration was very muted. Almost, he was going to cry from from scoring, and I thought, "What's going on here? What? I wonder does this guy have any history with Denizlispor, perhaps?" And his name sounded a bit familiar, anyway. So, quick Google check, and it turns out he actually signed in January for Kaiserslautern from Denizlispor, but he'd only played 14 games for Denizlispor. He signed <laughs> for them in the summer. So I was like, "What's going on here? What, what's what kind of allegiance does this guy think he has?" Oh, but here's the real things. twist. <laughs> but, but, but here's the real twist. Before signing for Denizlispor. He signed. He was playing for Kayseri for two seasons, so he has had such a vested history with Kayseri sport. Why isn't he, Why isn't he celebrating a goal that may even prove to keep to, to keep them up? Maybe he's alone. Like, he's flip flops too much. Oh, he's just absolutely crazy. He he's forgetting what his entire career. And this is a guy who, by the way, is a Europa League winner and a triple league winner with Porto. <laughs> so I just. I was just like, well, okay. where's your head at, dude? <laughs> <Where is your laughs> head? <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, the last match of the match day, which uh, kind of brought Rizespor in uh, a difficult position. Uh, mute, by the way. Um, yeah, and, and Gaziantep, of course, getting the win here 2-0. But the real highlight from this match was uh, Mohamed Demir and how he managed to miss two penalties in four minutes and absolutely piss of Sumudicha, who already doesn't need a lot to get pissed off. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny uh, video going around, I think, as well, of, of Sumudicha just losing it, walking off, going into the hallway, to, and then coming back out and just being livid. But Mohamed Demir, uh, I'm surprised he didn't sub him off straight away. Do you guys think he's gonna be on the bench or even drop from the squad for the next couple of, uh, for, for the foreseeable future? I don't think he'll get dropped, but um, you know there, there's a reason why I'm not um, a, a manager because I would have like pulled him immediately and probably slapped him like what uh, Samet Ibova did when he was play when he was coaching us. But <laughs> yes. you know, I, I've, I've read, um, I've read uh, what what's the what's their other striker's name? A coyote, maybe? Yeah, or... I, I've, I've I've read that coyote was supposed to take the take the penalty. But uh, the first one, but Mohamed uh, was like, uh, yeah, just let me take it. I, I'm, I have a good vibe going. He missed it. And then the second penalty he gave, he gave to him because he thought that Mohamed looked so 
looked so sad. So he wanted to cheer oh, him up. Oh, man. And, and, you know... <laughs> it was 1-0 so at the time, and, and, and uh, Riza were down to 10 men. And so. it was so fucking hilarious to read that. I don't know if it's correct in any way. It could be like one of those Twitter, Turkish Twitter polls, uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter accounts just randomly saying shit, but come on, man. <laughs> it was like the Quoi case uh, thing with the Hikmet Karaman. Uh, yes, time. yeah, yeah, that was amazing. But he scored, and he was all like, hey. Also, yeah, also Jagnes scored as well in Riz for uh, Death Plus One uh, last year. Like, uh, he was also arguing with Terim. Like, it, he also missed the first one uh, mm-hmm. against Rize and wanted to take the second one uh, with Rize. It was a lethal penalty for Galatasaray, uh, which was obviously like uh, changing the title race penalty. Like it's a go or die penalty, and he scored it. Fortunately for us, then it scored a winner header for us. Uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, that uh, phantom penalty in Riza. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move over to the standings because, as I alluded to at the top of the show, um, Trabzonspor are now the proud league leaders and they are so with a match in hand. So if they win that match against Malatya Sport on the road, they uh, will be on 47 points. But right now, uh, they are... Am I correct? Yeah, they're on 44 points right now. In second place, we have Istanbul Büyükşehir Belediye. What am I saying? Istanbul Başakşehir here on 43 points, and then we have both Galatasaray and Sivasspor on 42 points, uh, and then Alanya Spor, who of course lost this week, they're on 39 in fifth place. In sixth place, we have Fenerbahce on 38, and then in seventh place, we have Besiktas with 36 points. Of course, next week, the coming match day, two big matches. Besiktas will host. Galatasaray and Fenerbahce will... Oh, what am I saying? Besiktas will host Trabzonspor and Fenerbahce will host oh. Galatasaray for the Intercontinental Derby. And uh, yeah, we already spoke about the bottom of the table. Kayseri Sport with that win doesn't really help them out that much yet. They're still dead bottom with 15 points. Then we have Kasimpacha with 16. And then we have two teams on 20 points, both Konya Sport and Angaragiju. Angaragiju still in the bottom three due to goal differential. And then we have Antalya Sport on 22 and then a bunch of teams on 24 points. So go check out the league table for more in-depth uh, Yeah. Uh, details there so we are starting off on friday for match day 23 and uh, we have siva sport taking on alanya sport so two teams out of the top uh, seven meeting once again uh yeah another tough match for siva sport i hope for them that it'll be a little bit warmer uh this time around and then on saturday we have konya sport taking on kaiseri sport a very uh, sorry, Kaiser Sport hosting Konya Sport, a very important match for that relegation dogfight. Gustepe will uh, host Gaziantep, and that's a possibly interesting match for the fight for the Europa League. Then, of course, on Saturday we have Besiktas hosting Trabzonspor. Trabzonspor going for their first win at Vodafone Park, and Besiktas will look to rebound from their defeat at the hands of Başakşehir this week, of course. Then we have Yeni Malatya Sport taking on Antalya Sport against Terbeli, and Ankara Gju for the Ankara Derby, another important match in that derby, uh, in that relegation dogfight. And then uh, Fenerbahce host Galatasaray on Saturday evening. That match will be played at uh, 
I believe, 7 local time. And then, of course, moving on to Monday, we have Rizespor taking on Bashakshi here and Kasim Pasha taking on Denizli. And that is, again, an important match, possibly, for that relegation dogfight. So, plenty to look forward to next week. Three clashes in the top seven once again with Alanya Spor, Sivaspor, Besiktas, Trabzonspor and Fenerbahce. Uh, Fenerbahce... Galtry, of course. Guys, your predictions. Who is going to be top of the table next week? Jakub, you first. Are, are Trabzonspor going to get their first win at Vodafone Park? Uh, it's going to be difficult. I, I've been I've been talking with uh, that one famous Besiktas friend of mine. Name uh, names, damn it. Name drop him. He'll I'm not happy. name dropping anyone. Um, and he said... He said um, you know, this is the year that we actually don't really have anything to play for. Maybe Europa, um, but you can you, you're going to see that now that we have nothing to play for, they they might go ahead and win against you guys. <laughs> um, That's usually how it goes. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm 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 starting to get to a point where it's still too early to say okay, we're going to be champions, and too early to have that you know that feeling in your chest. Um. But uh, you know, I'm 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 happy with the team. I'm I'm confident in the team. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Burak score and you know flip his shit and celebrate like he's you know winning the Champions League. <laughs> well, Be- because if, it's if, bound to happen. You if know? Trabzonspor win, though, will you change your mind on that? Uh, on what? Champ? Um, um, will you? Is that a, is that a, a crucial point? A win away, one of your toughest matches left on paper. Do you think a win at Besiktas would set you up for that title? It's I, early days, but I, I honestly think that the the the, the so-called uh, smaller matches are are more important this year, mm-hmm. because you know um, the 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 big derbies at in, in Trabzon we we tend to do well, um, and uh, you know away big... too. I'm sorry. Away too. You haven't. Yeah, lost, away I think? away. We are we are pretty good also, but you know. I don't know. I, I still think it's too early to say. I'm I'm never that guy, type of guy that's you know happy or you know. You don't want to something. jinx it. Yeah, that's 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 also a bit. <laughs> but you know, as the as the team is playing, um, you know, with Abdul Kader returning, um, it, it can only go up. I hope that it can only go up and that the team just stays stays injury free. I I do think we'll win. I am um, the best best for travels for best games. Have been the most fun for me uh, personally for for like the last three years. Um, I think that Trabzonspor will win. It will be like a dog fight. Um, we'll we'll be missing Mikel on the midfield. So yeah, I I just hope that we just don't fucking play Abdul Kader Parma because that's going to be horrible. Um, as for the Fenerbahce Fenerbahce Galatasaray game, that that stadium is just cursed, man. I you know even though I think that. Both teams aren't that good. Uh, it's either going to be a really boring nil-nil, or it's going to be a like a shit fest. As a Trabzonspor fan, though, would you prefer a Fenerbahce win right now because Galatasaray are, of course, on a six-match winning streak, and they even when they're playing bad, we saw it last season. Uh, they they weren't playing good. Um, we all wrote them off early in the season because they were it was going so badly, and then you know they get into that title mode. Uh, tunnel visioning that championship, and and suddenly they make, they they become yeah uh, unavoidable and go on a winning streak. 
are you kind of afraid that they might end up being your biggest competition if they might, uh, win their first ever uh, derby away at Fenerbahce this century? I mean, Gosra is like is like Goku from from Dragon Ball Z. Every <laughs> every time you think like, okay, no, that this time he's really going to lose, he just goes up a level, and they just they just they they, they fix it, you know. Um, I don't know. They they uh, in my opinion, I don't think they have a really great squad, um, but they have been playing pretty well. Um, the the fan in me wants them to to wants Galatasaray to win. So Estunyanal is bound to be fucked off, um, but I think that I, I think it's going to be really difficult for Galatasaray. I, I don't want to say anything to be honest. Pulak, your expectations of the derby? What do you think? Are Fenerbahce finally gonna give up their uh, Kadikoy virginity in the in this century? Well, I thought it was gonna happen last season because we were we were so bad, um, but but this season we're going with, with a really bad run of form. Um, without Gustavo playing really badly, also without Lamina, so I think it's really gonna be about what happens in that in that midfield. I think we're going to see the the battle of Emre Akwaba versus Max Cruiser with this with regards to who can play that kind of number ten role uh, the best and you know, wing the ball out. If we start with Tolga Giorgi on the wing, then I'm just going to say fuck it. We deserve to lose because doing that is just a fucking suicide and it's just horrendous to watch. Um, I, I I want to see a, a bit of bit of fight now. Uh, the, the players have been uh, been under a lot of pressure, um, but you don't need much to fire you up for a derby, which is what what we, what we love. So I, I want to see the the stadium rocking, you know, singing for the full ninety minutes behind the players. I want to see the players actually playing like they that like they care. Um, like I don't mind losing when the the ref hasn't fucked you and you've left it all on the pitch. If you've not not really showed up, and you, you get beaten by a team who wants it more than you, then 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 I then I'm pissed off, and I think uh, I just want to see a performance because we've not seen a performance for a while now um, from our team. I think the last one where we played really really good football was against uh, Trubs on a what three weeks ago, um, but I want to see something even more because it, it's Galatasaray. Right? It's, it's it's the derby in in Turkey. It's the match that everyone you know stops what they're doing you know and puts down their their knitting they put down the paper uh, accountants that working on a weekend put down their calculators you know the ninas making the the hollow with the machine they stop you know they get the chai and guzlemer and they watch this game and i i want it to be entertaining and i want it to be free of fuckery from the ref um, if there are red cards because someone's punched someone or someone's gone in with studs up on the knee, that's, that's is due a red card. I think that, that's fine. You know, that's that's a red cardable offence. But I don't want to see this um, bullshit ref kind of antics. Um, I just want to see a, a fair game of football that is contested by by two teams that are aware of the the magnitude and the importance of this match, not because of the effect it's going to have on Galatasaray season or Fenerbahce season, but purely because of the fact that it is Fenerbahce versus Galatasaray. And I want it to be a, a good advert for Turkish football once and and to be free of um, shithousery. Be interesting to see what ref they pick if they haven't picked the ref yet for this one. Hmm. 
Here, here. Uh, Umut, are you going to raise the Japanese flag next week? What? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, did you not? Do you not get that reference? Is it a reference to Ulubatlı? Oh, no, the Japanese flag. Oh, my God. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll tell you off air. Uh, oh. Are you going to uh, slay the beast? Okay. Uh, I think uh, we'll have a hard game uh, this week. Uh, uh, I said this, uh, before, like, uh, Fenerbahce lacking their best player right now, Luis Gustavo. Uh and we are lacking Mario Lemina. Uh, like, like they are uh, both off for the game, and I I feel pretty bad actually for Emre uh, missing his uh, last ever derby in his career, uh, and mm, I think it's a bad uh, career ending for him. Uh, unfortunately, he's injured. Uh, I know he wanted to play this game uh, uh, in his end of career, but. Uh, it's a b- bit of unfortunate for him to uh, missing this game uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Kadikoy as well, and in front of his uh, in front of his uh, Seyirji, uh, uh spectators audience. Has he announced that he's retiring after this season? Actually, has he officially announced that? I think so, uh, because uh, his uh, departure from uh, Başakşehir to Fenerbahçe, I think it was a year long. Uh, agreement, uh, as I remember, because uh, I think is the contract is also a year long. You know, uh, Brack would know better, but uh, if you he can help us out here, uh, and I think uh, 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 right now it's important for who is to play uh, in the role of Mario Lemina in the game because. Paterim could uh, shift Omar to right there or uh, could play Balhanda, which Azar would really hate. <laughs> just, just, uh, yeah. You're right, by the way. It's uh, it's 2020, so his uh, contract expires. So. Yeah, I don't think he'll be uh, remaining in football after that because he right now barely remains in the game. Like, uh, oh, you go on the coaching staff, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably, and. He might be in in the Fenerbahce's uh, coaching staff. Uh, all of Maybe us. he can take over from Ersunyal. I don't know how <laughs> far along he is uh, on his uh, UEFA license. So, like, he'll be a he'll do a Ryan Giggs uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Nice. Yeah, uh, and I think also has a fair chance in the game. But who knows? It's Kadiko uh, after all, and all the. Phobias from God's Rise players, and and also uh, we have to remind that Hassan Shash is also suspended for the game. Uh, I don't know what he did, but it's kind of positive for God's Rise because uh, I think all he does there is uh, to bring up a problem uh, in, for us uh, in the bench, uh, uh, and I don't rely on him in these uh, high tension games because he's not a guy to uh, like. Uh, you know, r- r- guy to rely on in these games. Like he can't just control himself. Like what does he do anyway? He's just yeah, yeah. To, I uh... don't, I don't know why Fatim uh, keeps him in the squad, but cheerleader. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he brings uh, much in it in 
tactical aspect side, but I don't know. But it's a good thing he's not there. He won't be there. Uh, it will be a different game. Uh, and I hope to see a Kadeke victory in my career of uh, watching football. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a Kadeke win? Uh, there, yeah. After Live, our, huh? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. I've seen a couple. Yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I know that. I know that. <laughs> Just like how Steven Gerrard end up without a title, I don't want to end up without a Kediko win. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure uh... you'll see one. You've, you've got at least another like, 60, 70 years on the, yeah. know, on the planet. <laughs> but then maybe he goes senile and forgets it. <laughs> yeah. We can but hope. Anyway, uh, let's uh, fi finish uh, the podcast uh, with, with just one note. Uh, I think we've seen, uh, in the, I don't know what's going on this season with all the racism in football in uh, Italy. There's been a lot of examples again this season and now this past week, even in Portugal, with uh, Musa Marega being uh, yeah, racially abused by a very large portion of the, the Gaimerash uh, yeah, supporting section, uh, walking off the pitch and stuff like that. And we, of course, recently had a little bit of uh, stuff with Obi Mikel on social media, but I think that pales in comparison to the things we're seeing every season in, in Italy, in Spain, uh, and now even in Portugal. And yeah, it's, I don't understand what's going on in football with that. Um, I think they just need to be very harsh. Just close those stadiums. So as long as you can, if it's, ne if it's needed it's until those people learn their lessons, uh, the only way to teach them their lessons, I think is if they get it through their tick skulls that they're actually harming their own clubs by doing so. Um, yeah. It's, it's absolutely despicable. And we at Football a la Turca are 100% with all the players that are, have suffered from this. We are against racism, of course. Kick racism out of football. Uh, kick it out of the world, please. It's uh, absolutely despicable. If you're a racist, yeah. Go sod yourself. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Um, apologies to our, our podcast host, but I believe this is one time woke in the wiki. We can use that word um, against such idiots. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also, isn't it funny how racists are always the ones that uh, think they're superior, but are always the worst examples of their uh, respective race? You know, they're usually, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's enough Before for that, I think. Go ahead, be, 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 Before we sign off, um, you know, um, what I wanted to talk about especially was, was, was the whole thing that's going on right now with Mustafa Kapla. I know we we talked about it like for a minute, but um, yeah, I, I personally know your feelings because, you know, we, we are in the group chats. But uh, yeah. for, for, for the people that are wondering, how do you feel about, you know, him leaving or him not signing a contract? And at the same time, how do you feel about um, about Galtzrai putting out that tweet? Me? Or what? Anyone. Yeah, I think it's uh, unprofessional. I think a club should always remain the, the highest form of professionalism uh, when a player is acting unprofessionally. I've said this in the past as well. When uh, Quaresma the first time left, I think that the, the club there... 
the, the, the player can have done things and can have acted unprofessionally, but I think as a club, you always have to rise above that. You have to show yourself to be a professional institution. I don't know what happened between Mustafa Kapi uh, and, uh, and, and Galatasaray. Uh, there's rumors that he has signed for Fenerbahce and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know, but I think, you know, when you're not giving any opportunities to young players then you can't fault them for not signing a contract. Uh, Galtry this season haven't given a single opportunity to anyone, I think. I don't even Yunus Agun, who's supposedly touted as one of their biggest talents in the last couple of years. I don't think he's gotten a single minute in the cup even. Um, because players like Emre Mor and Jimmy Durmas and I don't know, whatever, uh, are, are getting those opportunities ahead of them. And... Look, as an 18, 17, okay, but as an 18, 19-year-old player, you need to look for playing opportunities. And if you're not getting that at your club, if they're not even considering to loan you out, like, for example, Yunus Agun right now. We saw him a couple times in the cup last season. Um, why is he still at Galatasaray playing for their under-19s? Why isn't he being loaned out? If he's a big talent, why aren't you investing in his future by getting him valuable playing minutes against real men and not children you know why are you wasting a year of his career why are you wasting a year of of atalai or whatever uh careers why are you wasting a uh a, a year of of mustafa here's career i mean he made his debut at 14 or something on the old rickering uh he could have been on loan this season to a second division team maybe uh make a couple of appearances uh 10 15 appearances maybe whatever more than he would make at Galatasaray, and, and, and it's much more valuable to get that type of an experience than it is playing in the under-19 league in Turkey. I I, I agree. I mean, uh, first off, I think it's just um, irresponsible use of, of social media by uh, Galatasaray. Um, there are plenty of ways you could have announced that he's being, being left out of the squad. Um, you could have just said... Um, Mustafa Kaba has been left out of the squad until further notice, and then I'm sure rumours would have come out. Um, but the way it was, it was phrased and written, made it seem like it was you know, we've done so much for you, and uh, we we've put so much energy into you, and you just turned around and, and said no, so you're, you're out of the squad. And and knowing the the reaction that's going to get from fans. Um, um, especially Galatasaray fans. Um, then you've I've no- seen a lot of Galatasaray fans uh, criticize their club. By the way, um, which which is good. Which is uh, I think what what is needed. Um, but but like you said, it's I don't know. We don't know what the player's agent has said to him. Um, I know it's not that scumbag Jenk Melikiazajur because <laughs> um, I looked it up. It's not that scumbag Jenk Melikiazajur who was Mirich um, Demiral's. Um, agent, as we know. Again, that is Burak's opinion. That <laughs> not is the that, podcast. That is my opinion, not the opinion of football Alaturka or, or Big Heads uh, Media. Um, but it, you, it's it might be in the best interests of of clubs. Though we know Farabach have got a, a little bit of an agreement with with uh, Vestalo, as we mentioned earlier, where mm-hmm. Barakat Azad is currently playing. Barish Alajit is there. Hopefully, he's going to get some playing time. Um, they've also got Recep Gül from Galatasaray, who's there on loan. So, um, like you said, these this may be the the second Belgian league. Yes, but it's 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 playing time, like you said, against. Uh, fully developed athletes are not in a 
a, a lesser, smaller league. And like you said, that we can we can either start bringing in B teams, like you can see in Spain, where they actually you know get play get their proper playing time, or uh, we'll send them out on loan where they have, have to be guaranteed to to get playing time. But yeah, um, I think it was a badly worded statement and. Hopefully, Mustafa Kubber, who's you know he's got some just some support around him, just uh, making sure it doesn't all get to him, get to him too much because um, he you know he's 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 seventeen and he he wrote a load of like tweets when he was like nine or ten years old um, about Fenerbahce, so he's probably a Fenerbahce fan, but you know you're bringing up the tweets that someone wrote when they were ten to use against them now when they're 17 it's just a, a cheap tactic and it's done everywhere else as well so so recently we're going off script here boys and girls uh tegan knox who's a wrestler with the wwe um women's women's wrestler from from wales tweeted when she was 17 that she is not a big fan of alicia fox the women's wrestler and now a couple of alicia fox fan sites and twitter fan accounts have found yes, those tweets. <laughs> yes, she foxy does. Uh, they found those tweets and they've resurfaced them some 10, 15 years later to try and tear. And oh, it's just, like I say, it happens in football, it happens in wrestling, it probably happens in other sports like rugby and tennis. And it's just um, a cheap parlor trick that we need to. That people are just just need to, need to stop doing, but but yeah, I I think the statement was um, uh, irresponsible and and not worded in in the way that is befitting. Lots of those statements going out <laughs> in Turkish football. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, maybe the club should um, make a statement about we're going to stop making stupid statements now. Anyway, uh, Umut, do you want to get uh, your two kurush in iki kurush or? Uh... Well, uh, about Mustafa Kapı. Sure. Yeah. Uh, or about anything else happening in the world right now? Or... <laughs> uh, not much, because uh, as as, uh, as uh, Yusuf said, uh, it's a bad thing to uh, as a club to make a statement like that. But uh, as I said before in the group chat, uh, we don't know the uh, behind the back doors what happened. Uh, so I can't be sharp in that because uh, I don't have a clear idea uh, of what happened. Uh, like if the you, uh, Mustafa is the fault one here or the club, because uh, as the club said, he they gave like him uh, more than six years of uh, great, uh, you know, how can I say uh, education. Education, development, development. Yeah, club club facilities, all the good things. Uh, he has been grown up in this uh, Floria Tesis Larry. So, I think uh, club needs uh, a bit of uh, you know uh, good thinking and. Mm. But you also need to offer a player perspective. A player needs to have this. Needs to know that there will be opportunities, and right now, when he looks at his his peers, he's seeing a guy like Yunus Akun getting zero opportunity. So it's also the club's own fault that a player is going to think twice before signing a professional contract because maybe they're better off signing with Chaiku Rizespor. Yeah, 
Uh, or uh, Sivas about that about that I don't think this is a main fault a problem with Gatas right because this is uh, a problem for every team in Turkey I, I guess because uh, we don't have the B teams uh, competing in the lower leagues for mm-hmm. our uh, professional youngsters like uh, Barcelona B Valencia but if, B but if it, you look at at Trabzonspor if you look at Besiktas Fenerbahce they're Academy players are getting opportunities in the first yes. team yes. in, in the uh, cup but, or whatever, but yeah, they but are everybody's uh, everybody's squad is different, you know. Uh, so the player style is different, the management is different. Uh, how where they compete? Uh, because uh, it wasn't uh, until then Galatasaray was eliminated from uh, Champions League, but. Uh, we had like three competitions ahead uh, at the start of the season. Right now, we are just competing for one. So, I don't know. Uh, but as I said before, we don't have any other teams those players can shine in. So, I don't know if we can buy affiliate teams to uh, shine our players there, like how uh, or from a different league, from uh, from a different nation, like how. You so, can you can work out a, an agreement. Besiktas yeah. just uh, signed an agreement yeah. last yeah. month with uh, Fortuna Sittard in Holland. So yeah, yeah, we can have we have to do something like this, like how Chelsea uses. Uh, was it Vitesse? Uh, so yeah, Vitesse. They yeah, and, they, uh, they just sent their five or six players uh, mm-hmm. who are just promising talents, and they find time there and they just shine themselves. So, which is a great thing and. I always admired that and wanted this to happen in my yeah. team. And Agreed, yeah. but it's not happening right now. So yeah. this player, and, and, and as a Mustafa Kappa, as a Yunus Akgun, whose contract is up in the summer too, mm. you want to hear when you're in negotiations and contract negotiations, look, what is my what is my perspective going in the future? I'm, I'm turning 18, I'm turning 19, I'm turning 20. Yunus Akgun is 19, I think. He shouldn't be, I mean, Mustafa Kappa is 17 years old, fine. He, he that's different but ni- 18 19 you know 19 going on 20 whatever those guys want some sort of not guarantee but they want to see that there's there's a gap there's, pers- they, there's there, a glimmer yeah. of hope yes exactly yeah. and right now i think from all the top teams in the league going purely on this season galtray are offering the least bit of hope yeah for those guys, yeah I, I agree i agree we only gave like uh Three or like seven minutes to Emin Bayram or Yunus Akgün for the whole season this season, and mm. I think there should be a regulation in TFF like how the youngsters, like under twenty-one years old of age, there should be a limit, a minimum amount of minutes to be played by those players who were under the age of twenty-one and. I think it's better to uh, give positive reinforcements because if you're going to tell, look, you have to do this, then you're creating another foreigner rule where you're going to get shitty Ismail Koibash's playing because you have another uh, option. Don't... You have to do positive reinforcement. For example, you can say, look, if you give under 21-year-old academy or under 20-year-old academy players X amount of minutes in the league, you get uh, a monetary bonus at the end of the season or something like that. I think that's the way to go. Where yeah, you yeah, don't... you can do both. Like if you can have the minimum amount of limit, but if you have uh, more than that, more than X amount of minutes, you can be awarded by that. But 
uh, what I'm saying is, uh, I don't think this is the same Dorav with the Ismail Kerbosha thing, because uh, under it's 20... not, but you're creating a certain thing where you're yeah, going to yes, but this is kind of an investment thing because not the mm -hmm. not the way that you uh, see it as a uh, like Tark Chamdal or a Vesel Sir kind of thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. think these are the similar things, you know. Yeah. Anyway, let's save it for another episode. Yeah. We had this because this is a very interesting subject. I think where we could talk more than an hour about. But let's f finish up here with this final message. This week, uh, February twentieth, will be our one year anniversary. Football Alterca will be around for one year, and we thank all of you, dear listeners. Whether you joined us at the beginning, you joined us uh, six months in last week, or this is your first episode that you listen to we appreciate every each one of you even if you have differing opinions than us please tweet us at footy a la turca or our personal twitter accounts and come and talk to us uh, about your views on turkish football but as a token of our gratitude for you our listeners we are giving away one football shirt of a turkish club of your choice as long but you have to Keep in mind, we have to be able to find it. So if you're going to say, I want a Fatih Karagumruk shirt and we can't find it. Okay, sorry. It has to be somewhat realistic. We have to be able to order it online and have it shipped out to you. But uh, we are going to raffle off one shirt. And all you need to do is follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. You can do either or both that doesn't matter as long as you do one of them and of course subscribe to the podcast so what you have to do go on our twitter or on our facebook accounts and either share or retweet our giveaway tweet or uh, post on facebook and also comment on that uh, post or that tweet with a picture showing that you subscribe on any podcast platform to football a la turca um, yeah, and that's pretty much uh, it. If you can do that, you will be automatically inserted into the contest. And next week, on I believe the 25th of February, we will be announcing the winner. And that person will receive a shirt of their choice. Guys, anything to add to that? Nothing apart from join a competition. It's super easy. All you have to do is subscribe. Tweet us that you subscribed and your name goes into the draw to win a, a Turkish football shirt of your choice. It could also be uh, the national team shirt as well. Um, so it's extremely easy to enter um, and we'd love to see it. And, and we, we love seeing you tweet us with pictures saying that you subscribed and you support the podcast. So thank you very much. And, and like Khan said, as the first birthday, um, a one-year-old Bebek podcast that we are uh, we would be uh, delighted to reward you all um, with a fantastic episode. Um, there may be some surprises. There may not be some surprises. Um, but yeah, one of you will be receiving a, a a football shirt, and we will probably do something fun with a draw for you as well. So we'll we'll get creative. We'll we'll all like neck some some lachmajun gazlamer and iron and come up with a creative way to let you know who the winner is of the um, football alaturka birthday giveaway bonanza. 
And on that note, we will see you all again next week, hopefully, with the announcement of the winner of the shirt. And please, if you haven't yet, go and take part in the contest. It's like Burak said, super easy, and you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Anyway, Burak, Jakub, Uzar, of course, who's already left us, and Umut, thank you very much, and thank you for listening to Football a la Turca. We'll see you again next week. See ya. Cheers. Adios.